Well, good morning again. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Mark 5, and we'll begin in verse 25. And as you're turning there, I just want to thank Jesse and the worship team and the tag team for a wonderful worship experience today. And uh, thank you so much, Brianna, for praying for us, praying for the city of Tulsa. Our hearts are so sad, and we'll just continue praying for God's peace, comfort, and strength uh, by those affected, for the St. Francis community. I know there's been a lot of I mean, it's just an understatement, a lot of trauma, and we just continue to pray for that community. And I just want to pause right here and say thank you to any nurse, doctor, first responder, healthcare professional, and police officer in this room, okay? Thank you so much for your service. It's, it's, uh, it's very personal to me. I worked in the healthcare field for 10 years myself. I grew up in a cop family. And so uh, I, I know the mental and emotional toll it takes out there. And I'm just so thankful, thankful, thankful for our healthcare professionals, police officers and, uh, police officers and first responders. Very thankful. Well, uh, today we are going to do a message called Fight For It. Okay, Fight For It. And uh, we'll keep it lighthearted here for a second, then we'll get serious. <laughs> but fight for what is well, fight for what? What does the it stand for? I know many of you are going to be so sad and devastated that the it does not stand for your right to party. Okay, <laughs> I know you're sad about that, but I'm not going to talk about your fight for your right to party. Uh, it doesn't definitely it doesn't stand for fight for being right. I've learned over the years that fighting for being right in a relationship is just devastating. It just kills the relationship. So it's not, not about fighting for being right. Definitely not about fighting for your ways of doing things. Not like anything like that. What I'm really going to talk about today, two things. One, fight for your growth. You all need to grow up. Did you know that? So do I. <laughs> we got a long way to go. We, we got a long way to mature and, and, and be disciple. We got a lot to learn in this life. So fight for your own growth. And the other thing I would say is fight for your healing. Not just think of that in terms of physical, but think about that in terms of mental, emotional, spiritual. Fight for your growth in healing because here's why I'm preaching this today. A lot of times, and, and we should, we talk a, a lot about the word surrender. And we should talk about surrender. You do very well to say, Lord, I make a crummy shepherd. Please shepherd me. Me managing my life is not a good idea. Lord, manage my life. I submit to you. I acknowledge my need for you. I surrender my life to you. It should all be about that. But here's what I'm starting to learn about a surrendered life. A surrender life, and I think we have it on the next slide, a surrender life does not mean a passive life. A surrender life does not mean a passive life. A surrender life is not about passively resigning yourself to the enemy's attacks or passively waiting for things to happen to you. I'm starting to learn that a surrender life is about you happening to things. About you going after your growth. About you going after your healing. About you taking serious when, when the scriptures say, hey, work out your salvation. Not work for it, but work out. Like participate, engage. And we talk about how this life is a spiritual battle. It's only a battle if you're engaged in the battle. If you're participating in the battle, if you fight back. So we're talking today about fighting for your growth and for your healing. About applying the word, doing the word fighting for it. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at a story in Mark chapter 5 about this woman who fought for her healing. She fought for an encounter 
with Jesus. And a couple of weeks ago, we looked at a story in Mark chapter 5 where Jairus, the synagogue leader, his daughter is dying. She's 12 years old. Jairus says, hey, Jesus, come play your hands on her so she'll be healed and live. Jesus says, okay. And they start walking to Jairus' house. And on the way to the synagogue leader's house, a woman burst on the scene. And I want to take a look at her story today because it's amazing. I think we can learn a lot about fighting for our own growth in healing. Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 25. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Stop right there. In that setting, that means that she would have been considered unclean. She could not go into the house of worship and worship the Lord. She could not have normal social relationships because anyone she came in contact with would become unclean as well. I can't even imagine the mental and emotional toll that had to be. How would you like to think of yourself as a contaminant that no one wants to be around? The rejection, the loneliness that she faced, not only just the physical toll, but that mental and emotional toll. That's what she was going through. Next verse. She has suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. And spent all she had. Not only was she empty emotionally and spiritually, but she was empty financially. She spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse, which meant in that society, not only was she labeled unclean, she was labeled as cursed. God must be mad at you. What have you done in your past? You must be a big failure. You're not getting better. You're getting worse. So she was not only unclean, in that society, she's considered cursed. So what is she going to do? She spent all she had on doctors. She's, she's tried everything. She has no resources left. What is she going to do? Next verse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. What is she going to do? Well, she does something about it. She doesn't just sit idly by. She fights her way through the crowd. She fights for her healing. By the way, she fought for her healing before this because she spent all she had. She had this drive, this want to. It was her goal for things to be different. She, nothing else was working. So she says, I'm going to come up behind Jesus. I'm going to touch this cloak because I think Jesus is the difference maker. And so she's just thinking this. If I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And when I see these words like behind and touched, and that she was labeled unclean. I'm thinking this is what she was thinking. I believe Jesus will heal me. I just got to touch his clothes. But I really don't want any hoopla. I don't want anyone to notice. I just want to kind of touch his clothes, go away undetected. Jesus can just wink at me if he wants to. I don't need any attention because I'm not supposed to be out here. People are going to say, why are you out here? You're making us unclean. You're a contender. You shouldn't be out here. So I think she just kind of come up behind him. I'm just going to touch him. I believe he's my healer. And I just want to go, un I just want to go undetected. I just want to get my blessing and go away undetected. And so she fights her way through the crowd. And she comes up behind him. And she touches the hem of his garment. She knows if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Next verse. And immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And that's not the only immediate thing that happened. It's not the only thing that stopped and it's not the only person that felt something in their body because this happens next. 
at once, which means immediately. Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He felt something in his body. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? He stopped. Remember, he's on the way to Jairus' house to heal his daughter. He stopped and he asked this question, who touched my clothes? Who touched me? Well, the first thing that happens is the disciples respond. Let's see what they say. You see the people crying against you as disciples answer, and yet you can ask who touched me? In other words, everyone's touching you. Everyone's pressing in and trying to grab a piece of you. Who hasn't touched you? It's almost like they're annoyed by the question. You see the people crying against you. How can you ask this question? Next verse. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And I want to stop there because this verse right here, here is chalked full of significance. Jesus asked a question. Who touched me? Who touched my clothes? Nothing's happening except the disciples are annoyed. So he kept looking around to see. Whenever Jesus or God asks a question, you have to know it's not because they don't know the answer. Like, Jesus knows the woman. He knows that the, the woman who touched him. He's not asking because he doesn't know. He's asking, whenever God asks a question, it's always for the benefit of the person in which he's asking. And that benefit always has something to do with coming out of hiding, coming out of a place of being unknown to known, coming out of fear, coming out of shame, living in truth, living in in light. I think about God when he asks Adam and Eve, where are you? It's not like God doesn't know where they are. He knows where they are. Why does he ask, where are you? Well, because he needs to get them to where they need to be. They need to come out of covering up. They need to come out of taking matters into their own hands. They need to come out of fear. They need to come out of shame. They need to come out and be known. They need to come out and live in the light. I think of God when he asks Elijah. Elijah's hiding in the cave. He's isolating in the cave. God says, where are you doing? God knows what he's doing. It's for Elijah to come out of the cave and live in the light. Whenever God asks a question, it's for the benefit of coming out of fear and living in the light. That's what we see in our story right here. It's our nature to hide. That's what we do. We hide. We run from when we serve the God who seeks and will keep seeking until you come out of hiding. He's the God who will chase you down and pursue after you and get you to where you want to be. The woman is hiding. Why is she hiding? Because she's afraid. Why is she afraid? Because people are going to judge her and shame her and, and, and condemn her. But God knows that a person in hiding, a person living in shame, a person living in fear, that's not where they're supposed to be. I'm going to ask the question to draw her out. Second, whereas the woman wanted a miracle. And we all would have in her situation. Whereas the woman wanted a miracle, Jesus wanted a meeting. I don't want you to forget that. Whereas she wanted a miracle, Jesus wanted a meeting. Because he wants her to know that not only is he the God who seeks, he's the God who's personal. And he wants her to know that the healer, the God of the universe, knows her, cares for her, 
values her. She's not a person that should be overlooked, disrespected, devalued. She's a person of dignity. She's a person that he wants to, to, for, to come into the light and be healed. And she wants, he wants her to know, I'm the God who knows you and cares for you. He's a personal God. Well, Jesus' persistence pays off. He kept looking around to see. He wants her to come out of the hiding. He wants her to know he's personal and knows that, that he personally knows her. And this happened in the next verse. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, she came and fell at his feet. And trembling with fear because she thinks she's going to be punished or judged, condemned. Trembling with fear, also trembling with fear because of this, she told him the whole Truth, And there's even an implication here, or there's actually another translation that says, she told him the whole story. She told him the whole story. How she had been suffering from this condition for 12 years, this hemorrhaging for 12 years. How, how she had spent all the money she had on doctors and nothing was happening. How she just believed, okay, I have nothing left. Jesus, you're my only hope. I snuck in the crowd. I know I shouldn't have been here, but I snuck through the crowd. I touched your cloak. I knew you were going to heal me. She told him the whole story. And I just want to pause right there and say, wow. Don't you know, don't you know, don't you know, that it had been a very, very long time since someone had stopped for her and hurt her out. He's not only the God who seeks. He's not only the God who is very personal. He is the God who will always hear you out. We live in a time where, no, let's sweep things under the rug. Let's not, let's not hear the women out, you know, these things. He's the God who will always hear you out. You take it to him. He wants, he, he, he wants you to talk to him. He will always take time for you. He delights in you coming to him. He delights in hearing you out. He's the God who will always hear you out. Well, it's a good thing she told him the whole story because then this is what she received. Verse 34. Jesus says to the woman, daughter, stop. She had felt lonely and rejected her whole life. The God of the universe calls her daughter. Not only was she healed physically, but can you imagine the healing that brought to her soul, to her heart, to her mind? Daughter, you're included in the family, not excluded. You're a part of the family. Daughter, your faith has healed you. In other words, my garments didn't heal you. Your faith has healed you. You believed. You were so confident in me. You were so, so confident that it moved you out of sitting idly by. It moved you out of inaction to action. It moved you out of passivity, the fighting your way in the crowd, fighting to touch my garments. It moved you to fight through the shame, fight through the fear, fight through isolation. It moved you out to fighting for your healing. And I think I'm, you might be thinking I'm reading way too much into this, but I don't think I am. I think Jesus is actually conveying the message here. Daughter, I am so proud of you. I am so proud of you that you moved out of passivity to action, that you fought for your healing the way you have, and it moved you to me. And so he says to her, go, and peace and be freed 
from your suffering. And look, circling back to where we started, a surrendered life does not mean a passive life. And I'm speaking from my own struggles. Because I used to sit and sulk. That was me. I'm just stuck. I'm always going to be stuck in this bondage. I'm always going to be, you know, struggling with this hurt. I'm always going to be this way. God, you made me this way. Start blaming God. His days are never going to change. God, where's your power? God, you know, uh, no one cares. You don't fight for me. I used to just sit and sulk, and I just want to say right here, I am so thankful for all of you. I am so thankful for this church and getting me out of sitting and sulking and fighting for my own growth and healing. Thank you, Southern Hills Baptist Church. Thank you. And listen, I have been a pastor here for a number of years now, and I've been called quite a bit of times. Josh, can you come and do I got a family member. I got a friend. They're stuck in bondage right now. Can you do something? And when I get that question, you know what my first question is back? It's not that I don't want to call them or I don't want to go do something. But my first question is, hey, you want me to do something? Do they want to do something? Do they have what to? Do they have fight? Not that God doesn't work through passivity. Not that God doesn't, can't use me to touch someone's life. But I'm just saying it's a very tough road unless you have some fight in you. Unless you have some want to. Unless you have some drive to fight for your healing and growth. It's a very tough road. And so let's get off other people. Let's get off me. What about you? What about you? Are you sitting and sulking? Are you passively resigning yourself to something you know you shouldn't? Are you giving up on powerful healing and growth in your life? Are you being passive when God calls you to be active in the fight for your growth and healing? Because you too, you may be like this woman. You may be one active reach away from something great in your life. You may be one step of faith, one next right step, one step study away, one conversation away, one counseling appointment away, one active reach away, one prayer away, one just making it known away. You keep fighting. Don't give up on a powerful healing and growth in your life. All I know about this woman, I don't know, but this is what I do know, is that she was proactive, not inactive. She got out of passivity. She fought for her healing. And Christ says, now you go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And she received new life, renewed health to her mind, body, and soul. New identity, new purpose. Keep fighting, keep fighting. Now, As you live this life of active faith, I want to give you two things to keep in mind. One's a can't and one's a can, okay? One's a can't and one's a can. And here's what you need to know as you live this active faith with Jesus and fighting for your growth and healing. Number one is this, is if you go to the uh, slide that says you can't touch and run with Jesus. You can't touch and run with Jesus. Did you know that? This woman tried. I just want to touch the hem of his garments. I want to get my blessing and go away. I've tried. Lord, will you deliver me from this? I need your help. And, and, oh, thank you, Lord. Now I'm just going to go live my life. 
Oh, and then the next desperation thing happens. Oh, Lord, please do something. Heal me. Do something. Deliver me. And then I, I get the healing. I get the breakthrough. And then I just go live my life. It, it doesn't really work like that. That's not the kind of relationship God has called us into because what he's called you into is a union with his son, Jesus Christ. It's very, very personal. It's very personal and intimate. And in this union with Christ, there's a rest there's a rest. On one hand, yeah, I'm a son and daughter of the king. I'm a son and daughter of the king. I know who I am in Christ, but on the other hand, you know that he's God and you're not. This is about doing what he says. This is about seeking his will and his ways for your life and doing what, is, what he says. And maybe you're here today and you need powerful growth or healing in your life. You're, you're, you're desperately pleading to Jesus. You, you take it to Jesus. He's going to do something. But just know, if you're, if you're really serious about knowing he's God and you're not, you're going to do what he says He's going to do something that has, has to do with, just like he does with the woman, it's going to have to do with coming out of hiding, coming out of being unknown, coming out of isolation, coming out of the cave, coming out of, uh, of you know, shame, guilt, all these things, and bringing things to light. It always has something to do with it. Are you prepared? Are you prepared to do what he says? Always has something to do with that. You can't touch and run with Jesus. This is about a personal union with him. But here's what you can do in this life of active faith. Here's the can. You can touch and then touch others with your story. You can encounter and then encounter others with your story. This woman, she touched Jesus and then Jesus wanted her story in front of a crowd, in front of millions of people. Don't let that scare you, okay? But Jesus wants your story too. You're in union with him because there's all this inflow. When, you, when you're in union with Christ, there's all, the, all this inflow of, uh, of uh, he gives you grace and he gives you forgiveness and he gives you love and he gives you comfort and he gives you peace and he gives you wisdom. There's all this inflow, but there's a purpose that there may be an outflow from you to benefit others. God has called you not only to a union with him, but to live for something way bigger than yourself, to live a life that benefits others. Now, you know what makes all this possible, this union, this life of purpose? It's the gospel. And right from this story, we can see the gospel. If you look at the woman's healing again in Mark 5, 29, look at the woman's healing again. This is so remarkable. It says, immediately her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. You know what the gospel is? The gospel is that Jesus' bleeding started. He was whipped, blood. He was, they placed a crown of his, uh, thorns on his head, blood everywhere. They nailed him to a cross, blood everywhere. They pierced him on the side, blood everywhere. His bleeding started. And his suffering was, we can't even describe his suffering, but his suffering also started with the work of the cross. And his bleeding continued, and his suffering continued all the way till it killed him. Why did he do it? Because he loves you. He volunteered for it. It killed him. And he placed him in a tomb. But on the third day, he rose from the dead. And he has victory over sin and death. He's alive and he's coming back 
Why did he do it? To bring you to God, to bring you into that union, to give you a life of purpose, but spiritually speaking, to stop the spiritual bleeding and set you free from your suffering from an eternal perspective. Wow. Now enjoy the union. Enjoy the union every day. Live that life of purpose. Be an active participant in it. Fight for your healing and for your growth because you know what? The world needs you to. The world needs you to grow up and for me to grow up. Fight for your healing and growth. This is what the world needs. You know what else? Your family needs it too. Your family needs it. Those closest to you need it. So you be an active, active participant and you fight for it. Let's go for a time of prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Again, when we come together and pray, I, I just, I, I, <laughs> I've seen it in my own life. I know it happens. And as you're pr praying right now, let me ask you a self-examination question. Are you sitting and sulking in some way right now? Are you sitting and sulking in hopelessness or discouragement? Are you passively resigning yourself to something that you know you shouldn't? Have you lost your fight? You really think, oh, I don't have much growth left to do. God can't do something. Are you sitting in that right now? If you are, I just want you to admit that to God. Just admit it. I don't need to know about it. I don't need to know your situation. I just want you to sit and just be honest with God right now about your own heart. And Father, we thank you that you have called us into a life where we really do work out these things, that we deal with our hurts, that we face them, that we look at our struggles, Lord, and say, Lord, grow me, learn, help me to learn, help me to bring this to life. I pray for each one in here, Lord, that we would start having the courage to do what you say, because when you say, what you say, Lord, is us to live in light, to live in truth, to not live in fear, to not live in shame, to never be given over to covering up or hiding or it was something like that, Lord, but you always, for our benefit, say, hey, come out, come out of the cave. Come out, let me know where you are. Come out and share your story. Come out of hiding. Move out of inactivity. Move out of passivity and move into a life of active faith. Lord, help us to be that kind of people. Thank you, Lord, that you have called us. We know that you're gonna, this work you have completed in us, you will see it to completion, but Lord, you have called us to be an active participant, to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, to partner with you in our own growth and healing. I pray we'll do that, Lord, that we'll actively just continue to reach for you. So I pray for your strength in people's hearts today. I pray, Lord, that we will never sit in the enemy's attacks of things will never get better. You made us this way or you don't fight for us anymore. Get it, help us to get out of that and know, Lord, that you are with us and you are for us and you love us. And help us to walk confidently in that, knowing that you are the difference maker. You are our hope. 
shine that to other people, Lord. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name.